Hi, I'm Iman. And I'm Kurt. And this is Rebranding Mental Health. Hola, Kurt. Hola, Iman. ¿Cómo estás? Muy bien. ¿Y tú? Bien, gracias. So, that was our intro to Spanish. Yes. At the very primary level. Um, actually, I studied Spanish for eight years. I did not ever do a submersion program, but when I do submerse myself from time to time, I, I do okay. That's interesting. I actually minored in Spanish. Oh, my goodness. Look at us. Wow. So, welcome, everyone. Super happy to have you with us again. We hope you continue to stay with us to really get this movement accelerated on the idea of rebranding mental health and the importance and introducing new education into our schools and organizations and communities that really help us understand total health, mind, body, spirit, the whole person and presenting it in a way that is preventative and a movement from this reactive crisis mode that we usually are in when it comes to particularly mental health, but sometimes physical health too, and just really start focusing more on creating education that is preventative and focused on well-being. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And as I mentioned in a previous episode, this idea of curriculum and the proposal of rebranding mental health will be interspersed throughout because it's, it's all part of that planting a seed, so to speak, of understanding what this looks like. And so today, specifically, we're just going to talk about the basics of what does that curriculum look like? If I am saying I have a curriculum for the schools that presents this idea of rebranding into a total health core curriculum class, what does that look like? So that's a topic for today, and, and we'll just dive right in with saying, when we, we talk about this at the primary level, we have to address the curriculum throughout education developmentally appropriate. So beginning at how do you teach the brain? How do you, you know, part of, part of understanding mental health and um, there are different strategies and, and mindfulness is a big one because it's teaching people how to be in the moment, how to be rather than do. We're doers. We're human doings but we're really human beings. Especially in this culture. I feel uh, like we really oof. we really um, uh, idolize doing and achieving. Yes. Well, and it goes back to narratives, right? And labels and assumptions, like how do you define success? And do you, find, do, do you define success by your accumulation of things? Oh. Or your accumulation of credentials or even experiences yes you know again we know what some of the conventional definitions have been and how those have hindered people and so it, it's really just coming back to this understanding of in the core curriculum when you're beginning at the primary levels we don't really have to teach mindfulness how to be to a child because they are I always encourage people, and I use the word always intentionally, um, to be around kids if you can, because they are just beautiful models of what 
the concept of mindfulness is and the practice. They, they're just in the moment and everything's new and exciting and they approach things with what we call, what we, we refer to as the beginner's mind in the mindfulness community, as though you've never experienced it before. And why can't we do that as adults? We can. We can. And why can't we learn that? And we also do learn it, but only in certain settings. You've learned it. That's right. In the therapeutic setting. But this is part of the core curriculum. So when we talk about it at the primary level, what does that look like? We don't have to necessarily teach mindfulness, but we do have to begin to introduce that concept of this is your brain. And this is what happens when you get sad. This is what happens in your brain. When you get um, scared, this is what happens. So there's a woman that I met through my work at Nature's Classroom Montessori in Eagle, Wisconsin. I I was um, assistant director there, and I also was on staff for um, kind of a behavior specialist, so to speak. And... Montessori is just such a beautiful education because it really addresses the whole child. And at the very beginning levels, it looks to the environment rather than the child if there is something that is dysregulated in the child. So when, wow. a, when a child is dysregulated, Montessori, Maria Montessori said something in the environment is contributing, is causing the child to assimilate or to behave in a way. So let's change something in the environment and see what happens. Man, oof, I could go into many, many conversations about Maria Montessori. Maybe that's another episode. Maybe we'll, we will have Jeffrey Bishop, who is the director of uh, and founder of Nature's Class for Montessori and, and Environmental Ed School here in Wisconsin. But it, it's really, she really was an amazing woman. And when you look to the environment, that's what you're kind of teaching kids at this core level in this um, core curriculum is you're teaching them like what, what's happening outside of you that you're trying to adapt to because kids are like sponges and they're also non-abstract. So it's very black and white. So getting them to understand that sometimes you just have to make a shift in things outside of you and, and understanding how the brain works. So I met this woman, Joanne Deek. Um, she is a wonderful woman. She wrote this book about the brain, and I am spacing the title right now. Oh, my gosh. I'll get it, and we'll put it in, in the details. But she wrote this book that really inspired me to create a class that I taught at Nature's Classroom and did some consulting um, with some schools in Chicago and other Montessori. I did some presentations. It was called Train Your Brain, and it was a series of classes that really taught kids based off of this book about how your brain works. And so how she presented it was like your amygdala is that part of your brain that's kind of like the security guard and it's always scanning. That's where we process emotions and it's we're designed to look for danger and so it's it's the security guard in your brain. And the hippocampus, which is where we store memory, that is like the file cabinet. And so when we have a scary experience, it gets stored in the hippocampus. But then we have this really cool part of our brain, which is called the prefrontal cortex. And that's right, you know, in our forehead, behind our forehead area. And that is our advanced, like that's the manager, that's the executive director, that is the one in charge when your security guard isn't on alert. 
when your security guard is just, you know, at rest, if your security guard's working going, oh my gosh, danger, danger, the manager cannot be heard. And so when you teach kids in this capacity, they can understand, ooh, security guard, ooh, director, manager, you know, and use language that's um, similar to this. I'll tell you something. I I started to, <laughs> you'd be outside, you know, and in this environment in Montessori, it's a, it was on 400 acres and it's beautiful and kids are playing and climbing trees and doing things that we don't really do anymore. And I'd hear another, you know, kid that was like maybe four or five saying, Maya, amygdala is activated. <laughs> and it was so sweet. So, so giving them the language and the tools to understand at a very basic level. Again, it may not all be solidified, but all of those seeds are getting planted so that as they develop more education and more um, solidification in their brain and they can be more abstract, they can start applying all of that. So that's kind of what that looks like at at kindergarten level, at that, just to give a very basic level. So I, I, rem, I remember you and I were previously talking about how you said, oh, I wish we would have had this kind of core curriculum when I was in school. Yes, and, really and there do. were bits, bits and pieces, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also, I tell people, look, it's better to, to embrace where you're at now rather than wish you were someplace else because there's no guarantees. Right. There's no guarantees. I mean, yeah, one could logically say if you had some of this information, your life may have been different. However, we're here now. So the less we spend on regret or any time in regret, but the less we spend on saying, you know, I wish this, I wish that. And we just accepted and said, okay, what can I do now? Right, right. How can we impact the future? Uh, Can we look at our future self and and see the ways in which the things that we're doing now are going to um, to pay off in the long run. Yes, exactly. So as curriculum develops and as you get older, you know, we'll be talking more about different things and how that looks like. Like, for instance, you know, in your work, you, you work in adult education. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. What does that look like specifically? And this is why there's some very basic foundational principles within um, the program. But overall, a lot of it is kind of is, is customized as you go because of where you're at, there's a lot of different demographics. You know, it's right. not like a private um, university like, you know, Marquette University in Milwaukee. It, 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 this is a technical college and it has different demographics. And so we want it, we may need to have, we may have people at different levels. Mm-hmm. So uh, all of that, there needs to be fluidity uh, as well. That's that's a really great point. And I think that's one of the things that we talk a lot about sort of at work is meeting people where they're at. You know, and I think that rings true for all of these demographics, right? So if you're if you're working with children, meeting children where they're at in their development stages, um, in their um, in their personality, in, in their life, their background. And same with adults, you know, for everyone, you know, you're, you're going to get different backgrounds, different ideas, different preconceived notions about what mental health looks like or should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just meeting people where they're at. That's a that's an excellent point to make, Kurt, because I just was working with uh, one of my clients who was talking through an issue that she was having with her seven-year-old. And she's an incredible parent. She came from a very uh, traumatic, at times, childhood um, and has had some, I'm hoping to have her on as, as a guest to talk about some of her experiences. However, she, she was talking about her child and, and the way her child was reacting. 
And at one point I, I finally said, how old is she? And she said, seven. You know, it was kind of a awakening moment for her because she was, she was thinking, wow, I'm not really meeting her where she's at. I'm expecting her because she is a smart seven-year-old, very reflective and introspective. She was expecting her to be a 12, 13-year-old. Not consciously. She wasn't consciously saying you should be a 12, 13-year-old. But she wasn't aligning herself with meeting her child and reminding herself that her, she's just she's still a little baby. She's still learning. She's still learning. She doesn't have abstract. Everything is black or white. She's still formulating. And again, this is part of what you can teach in the curriculum at the younger level, that your executive, your manager is still in training. It's not fully developed yet. So children have impulsivity issues, some more than others, based on how their brain works. But when you teach a child that, it's not so that they can give excuses for their behavior like, oops, (laughs) I punched them in the face. But you can teach them to understand that, look, when that urge comes over, remember that your manager is still in training. And so if, if your manager, if it's harmful to yourself or someone else, halt. So that, that, that's another part of the, that curriculum at the younger level. Give them the basics of emotional regulation. And how, how beneficial is that for really any, any age demographic? Yes. To learn, to learn those skills. And if we start when, when people are young, yeah. how much easier is that going to be as they age you know, to, to kind of hone those skills? It doesn't take much to look around in the world and see where we could certainly use that approach of take a pause. Take a break. Instead of reacting, instead of being angry, instead of punching someone in the face or causing harm to self or others, take a pause, take take a breath. And and breathing is another part of that core curriculum at the younger level of breathing is something we don't ever have to think about until we're not doing it. Right. However, there is a specific technique of breathing that we become conditioned out of. So our deep restorative breath through the diaphragm is that is our natural way of breathing that is oxygenating our blood and just really it's restorative and it's managing our heart rate in a coherent way so that we can think clearly when we get conditioned and I say conditioned because our culture hurry 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 right that kids are exposed to that from young like I don't like to be rushed people know that about me and if if things are starting to get rushed Like I start to go backwards, like I start to go slower, which really makes some people a little bit annoyed. However, it's a natural reaction and my body is fighting like this, this hurriedness. I don't like that feeling. And so that is part of teaching a breathing and, and, and giving people the resources to understand that it seems simplistic, but when we teach kids to, you know, count to five and take a breath, like we've, we've done it in an authoritative way, take a breath. Go get a timeout. No, th- teach them that this is part of you. You're, you're empowering yourself. You're slowing your heart rate. When you slow your heart rate, your manager is more equipped to be able to help you make decisions that aren't harmful to self or others. So, yeah, I think we went a little over our time today, and I hope that we, we kept all of you captivated. <laughs> but thank you again for joining us and and we'll we'll continue to talk about you know what this looks like in terms of rebranding and curriculum and um as we go along but thank you for joining us 
Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Iman. Oh, you're welcome. All right. So we will see you, hear you, feel you next time. That seems like none of those things are possible in the podcast, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. Exactly. Thanks. <laughs>